0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Now then, you may take that most delightful welcome coffee break.
2: Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM One Thirty Two Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us, talking about coffee and the coffee industry here in our final portion of our show. And if you're somebody that depends on a cup of coffee to get you going in the morning, then you may not like what the latest research shows. Coffee is among those crops that is under threat by climate change. Recent studies show 75 different species of wild coffee, which makes up about 60% of the wild population are at risk of going extinct. Arabica beans used to make some of the most high-quality brews are already on the endangered species list, and the crop could be cut by half or even disappear altogether in the next 60 years. According to some studies, much of the wild coffee species is grown in Africa and Madagascar, which has gone through deforestations and human encroachment. The current productivity of coffee is also on the decline, causing anxiety for those countries that depend on this crop for their economic stability. Remind you, the coffee industry is a $70 billion a year business. With more on this issue, we are joined on the phone by Elizabeth Shapiro Garza, Associate Professor of the Practice of Environmental Policy and Management at Duke University's Nicholas School of the Environment, and also joining us, Michael Hoffman, Executive Director of the Cornell Institute for Climate Smart Solutions. He's a professor in Cornell's Department of Entomology and an author of the upcoming book, Our Changing Menu, What Climate Change Means to the Foods We Need and Love. Elizabeth, Michael, thank you both for your time today. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Thank you. Uh, Elizabeth, start with you. I, I gave some of the numbers, but to put this in perspective, how significant of a problem is this for the overall coffee industry right now?
0: It is incredibly significant. I think that um, not only is um, As you had mentioned, the coffee production is down worldwide for a number of reasons Um, that can be traced back to climate change, Um, but it's also really incredibly important that um, we have these wild species as um, genetic material for uh, being able to uh, improve and adapt uh, the varieties that we do use of coffee that are producing Arp the coffee that we drink every morning. Uh, without these wild type species, uh, we don't have that kind of genetic library to go back to uh, when, it's, when we need to develop new, more resistant varieties. So it is an incredible threat, um, and I think that uh, it's really important to be starting to talk about some of the solutions.
2: Michael, how significant a problem do you see it?
1: Pretty much the same. It's worldwide threat because of changes in precipitation patterns and changes in, in warming conditions. Um, the producers are struggling to keep up with that. Production in Central America has really dropped off as well as elsewhere, and farmers there are switching to uh, cacao for our chocolate. So it's a worldwide problem. Um, and again, to reiterate, the value of these wild species to back us up when we have a new disease and new threat, additional drought, whatever it might be, are just critically important.
2: How how significant, Elizabeth, going back to to the countries for a second. Obviously, it will have an impact worldwide because of the amounts of coffee that are consumed in various countries around the globe. But as I mentioned at the top, there are countries where this is a significant piece of their economic, uh, their GDP each and every year.
0: Yeah, that's particularly true. Um, actually, uh, where pr- coffee production is really uh, down, uh, particularly for the varieties that are under threat, the Arabica varieties, um, those are primarily produced in Latin America. So uh, it is um, in many countries of Latin America, uh, coffee production is an incredibly significant uh, portion of their GDP. Um, but uh, almost um, more almost more importantly, um, about... Seventy percent of uh, the global coffee production comes from smallholder producers. Those producers who will have um, one to two hectares, sometimes even less, of coffee. That means that um, as coffee markets go down, as production goes down, um, as we get further um, impacts from climate change, such as uh, uh, pests, increase in pests and diseases. Um, yeah and other uh, uh, hits to their production, those are the really incredibly susceptible, people who are incredibly susceptible to those kind of economic hits. So it's not just affecting overall, it is affecting overall GDP of these countries, but it's also affecting some of the most vulnerable people in, the, in those populations.
2: You mentioned pests, which is something that has been brought up in, in a few articles that I've seen. Uh, because of the changing climate conditions, you have pests that are really adaptive to that particular weather, and, and they are having a significant impact on the the profitability and and the sustainability of these of these plants
1: yes i can yeah. respond to that Okay, a Go ahead. disease that just loves the new warmer conditions and higher humidity um, and that's a real serious pest there's also something called the coffee borer which is spreading worldwide and that is um, also um, a very serious pest and one that's really difficult to control so yes there's a a whole set, of suite of challenges facing the small coffee producers worldwide.
2: Elizabeth, I would think that if you're talking about, as you mentioned, a, a good many farmers out there, coffee growers that are that are of the smaller size, and you're having this problem, how how much of a potential do we see the corporate side having to come in and, and almost start to to have coffee super farms to be able to get the amount of production necessary? Uh, to, to be able to, to, to take care of the, the global population that drinks coffee?
0: Well, that's an interesting proposition. Um, I think it's not very viable, though. Um, there certainly are areas of the world, uh, Brazil, Vietnam, um, where coffee production is done on a very large scale. But particularly the really high-quality um, coffee, the Arabica varieties, again, um, require that they be produced on um, in certain elevational gradients, and that includes... That, or that means that they need to be produced in mountainous regions, um, where it's very difficult to do large-scale production. That's one of the reasons why smallholder producers um, dominate in the in the production of this type of coffee. So um, that's not. It's. It, we could certainly uh, see um, larger-scale production of robusta, which is the kind of lower-quality coffee. Um, but it really to, to maintain, especially this high quality coffee, you really need to have those smallholder producers up on the mountainsides, um, keeping producing um, at the, in that way.
2: But are, are from what you understand, are, are coffee companies, coffee retailers, Starbucks, for example, are they aware of the problems that are going on and potentially willing to to step in and help if need be?
0: Yes, absolutely. And actually, um, I am working – well, actually, a number of of, um, coffee companies are working on this issue uh, very specifically. And it's not just the um, large-scale – coffee companies uh, such as Starbucks that are doing it, but uh, the entire coffee industry is really concerned about this issue, yeah. um, and they are seeing directly the impacts of climate change already. There was a uh, coffee leaf, leaf rust disease, um, which affects the leaves of the coffee and makes them, all the leaves fall off, um, that started in 2012 and has really um, since then affected uh, production throughout Latin America and uh this is particularly so uh, was particularly notable and noticed by the coffee industry because all of a sudden you know their supply was going down as particularly for, again of these high quality coffees so um they are yes incredibly um concerned about this uh, and there are a lot of different initiatives that are moving forward within the industry to Support coffee farmers in uh, changing their practices and adapting to climate change um, to uh, looking to other areas where they could produce coffee is another uh, strategy as well. But it's a tough problem uh, for a lot of reasons.
2: Michael, how unique is... Is the the growing of coffee, as you both have mentioned, much of this at times is, is on the sides of mountains growing it. In terms of the scope of farming that we know here in the United States, it seemingly is a much different dynamic to, to have to be able to try and grow the, these types of plants and, and the amount that's necessary to send out for supply around the world.
1: Yes, it's a real challenge. I mean, these are small operations, as Elizabeth mentioned, just a couple of hectares. Um, sometimes they have to, well, typically they will dry the beans themselves, and now with the precipitated rainfall in at different times, that's a bit of a challenge, so that complicates life. Uh, harvest is difficult on steep hillsides. In some areas, the temperatures are going up, so it uh, makes it even more difficult for those harvesting to uh, get the cherries, or what they're called, on the, on the plant. But at the same time, at the local level, at the farm level, some changes are underway. There, some are, switch, are using what's called shade-grown coffee. They're essentially planting larger trees that provide a little shade to the coffee plants and minimize the, uh, the stress from heat. And some are also starting to plant uh, in, in between the rows of coffee some other herbs and spices and plants to just diversify their income so that's not totally based on just coffee they're spreading the risk so to speak because of all of these threats especially climate change
2: so they have an understanding that it, to be able to diversify a little bit at least will take some of the economic sting out of of losing some of these plants
1: exactly instead of you yeah. know everything in in uh, in just coffee they're diversifying their crops for market
2: elizabeth do we know uh, what the the comparison is let's say from from ten years ago till now in terms of the losses that some coffee farmers are, are suffering at this point.
0: Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, it is really variable across the landscape and across the regions. So, um, not to give numbers, but I uh, again, uh, some regions have been particularly hard hit by in Latin America by this coffee leaf rust outbreak. Um, other regions are just experiencing. Uh, differences in or climatic variations that really are affecting production, so that could be anything from changing rain patterns um you know if if uh rain comes at a time when they are in the middle of harvest and they need to dry their coffee, um, that can cause uh, issues with actually, tr- actually trying to uh, dry the coffee. It causes mold and other problems that uh, decreases the quality of the coffee. If they even get high winds at the time when um, coffee is flowering, that can disrupt the cycle of, of pollination and of um, actually having the fruit set. Um, so what's, what's really tough is that um, climate is changing in different ways um, across the landscape and it's really hard to predict how it will change. So these impacts are being felt every place where coffee is grown, but in very different ways and in and, and ways that it's difficult to predict how they will. It, the climate change will progress. So it's difficult to plan for how to adapt if you don't know what your climate is going to be like 10, 10 years from now and what challenges you'll be facing. Michael,
1: your thoughts? All I would add to that is also, it's not only yields, it's also sometimes just the quality and even the flavor of the coffee is affected, the aroma by these changes, the stress on the plant. So it's, uh, it's a complicated picture and again lots of challenges.
2: We're joined on the phone by Elizabeth Shapiro Garza of Duke University, Michael Hoffman of Cornell University joining us on the phone. We're talking about how climate change is impacting coffee growing around the world. Your comments are welcome at 844-WARTON 942 or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. So Elizabeth, with, with the events that have occurred in the most recent years, how has that been impacting what the consumer feels here in the United States or or other locations around the uh, the globe when they go to buy a cup of coffee?
0: Well, in some ways, uh, those impacts are not yet being felt. I think that... um one of the things that, that is uh, likely to happen is that our our qual- the quality of coffee over time, as uh, Dr. Hoffman um, suggested, will go down. <laughs> it's oh. going to be harder and harder to get really high quality coffee. Um, again, the production worldwide is such um, right now that that the consumer is not yet feeling that. But um, as time goes on, it really might mean um, that you go to uh, your, your favorite coffee shop or go to the grocery store and buy, to buy a, a bag of a specialty coffee, and uh, the, the quality just won't be the same, um, or you can't get the same types of coffee that you're used to. The other thing that will, of course, uh, be hit is over, over time is uh, actual overall production, which could, of course, lead to price increases as well.
1: Michael? Again, I would agree with that. I think there have actually been some very uh, specialty coffees, some specialty coffees that have really gone way up in price. But, again, across the board, most of us are still paying about the same price for our coffee. We're still enjoying it. Um, this, these longer-term threats, which are out there in the future, will, I think, also bring the price up. And, again, some of our choices may just disappear. Some of the particular specialty coffees will just no longer be on the market.
2: But bringing this forward to to the book that that you will have coming out, uh, this, along with a variety of other factors, are 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 having an impact on so many different foods that, that we that we eat uh, each and every day.
1: This is just one story of many stories. How everything from vanilla to wheat to rice, uh, you name it, chocolate, cacao, etc. In one way or another everything on the menu is changing which makes for a, a, a one in one hand a rather exciting story but on the other one that uh, i think everybody should hear but
2: then again moving forward that that is going to produce a, a significant uh distress on the food systems around the world if the, if we continue to go down that path
1: absolutely i mean there's everything from the not so subtle change in the nutritional quality of our staple crops like white uh, rice wheat and corn, and we now have 9% less protein, which has huge implications across the world, and especially where people are already on a protein limited diet. Same thing with the zinc and iron, it's uh, lower, and the reason they finally determined is because of inc- increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So that's a global impact. Um, But some of our other beverages, in addition to coffee, like wine and distilled spirits, are also changing. uh, Whether that's the water quality that's used in a product uh, can affect the flavor of beer, for example. Grapes, wine grapes in California, because of the extreme, or excuse me, increasing temperatures are under stress. And some of those producers are moving north. Mm -hmm. So the effect is, is global.
2: Elizabeth, in some of these countries where coffee growing is is so important, are the governments of those countries uh, starting to understand the issue and and maybe starting to think about a role that they may need to play in the future?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think that um, some countries, of course, are, are more advanced or, or putting more effort into this um, uh, than others, and that's probably due, primarily due to their own capacity. Uh, Colombia and Brazil in particular are coffee-growing um, regions, incredibly important coffee-growing regions in the world, and their governments for um, quite a while have been focused on developing new varietals um, of coffee that are resistant to, again, some of the new pests or the pest and diseases that will be um, uh, likely that we'll be seeing a lot more of uh, with climate change, or that are drought resistant, that are uh, more resistant to, um, again, changes in rain patterns, all those good things. So there's a lot of um, research that's currently being done. Uh, and again, to, to take us back to um, the article that was just recently published on the, um, the uh, rates of extinction of wild varieties of coffee or wild species of coffee. Uh, in order to do that, those, make those changes and adapt those those new varieties, or to create those new varieties, we need that germplasm. We need that genetic material from the wild re, wild uh, species of coffee in order to be able to uh, create new um, varieties that are resistant to climate change. So they are somewhat dependent on um, having access to those new varieties of, um, or sorry, the wild type uh, varieties of coffee. Uh, in order to be able to do this type of research, in order to be able to then uh, provide these new varieties, resistant varieties, to uh, their producers.
2: 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan L-O-N-E-Y, L-O-N-E-Y 21. And Elizabeth, when you're talking about the the the, the scope of this industry and, and the taste of, of the different beans, How much of a recognition? I mean, there obviously is a recognition of the different tastes within the industry. How much of a recognition is there? uh, uh, Do you think of the general public to a different flavor, a, a maybe something different than they're not used to?
0: Well, that's a good question, and I think that um, it definitely depends on who's drinking the coffee. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, certainly here in um, the United States and in Europe and elsewhere, there has been, uh, since the 1990s, an incredible growth in the specialty coffee industry. Um, and those those coffees really are high-quality coffee. They are, um, again, from the Arabica varieties of, of coffee, which produce uh, what is considered a higher-quality bean. Um, and so, if you are used to going to your Starbucks and getting a really good rich cup of coffee in the morning, uh, that is under threat that is that is what what is under threat um so you know if you're used to drinking um uh, coffee that is uh something that you would purchase at the supermarket. Um, and is probably from a Robusta variety, which is, again, uh, a more rebu- more climate change um, resilient variety, but also doesn't have as a high quality, then you're not going to notice that much of a difference. But if you right. have gotten used to that nice, rich cup of coffee in the morning, uh, that's where you're really going to feel the impact.
2: I, I would guess, Michael, and again, I'm, I'm taking this from the outside perspective here for a second, but when you're thinking about a lot of these, these coffee-growing areas, uh, and as you mentioned, said uh, on the sides of mountains. Uh, there are probably just natural hindrances to being able to, to make sure that these beans are robust. If you're factoring in climate change, like thinking about irrigation or, or some way to be able to kind of counteract some of the problems, they're probably just natural impediments to, to being able to go down some of these routes.
1: Sure, and I think a lot of these farmers are—they have limited capacity. They can't—they can't necessarily invest in irrigation or make radical changes. And we have talked about moving the uh, coffee production up slope, so to speak. But okay, what's up there already? Um, yeah. Would that lead to additional deforestation, another harm that uh, we really don't want to uh, to see happen? So yeah, at that local level, on that farm level, uh, the challenges are pretty severe. Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, that's actually – I've done quite a bit of research with smallholder coffee producers throughout Latin America, and they face really significant challenges um, in in considering how to uh, adapt their production and their management strategies in the face of climate change. And one of them, as um, Dr. Hoffman mentioned, is really that, you know, if you have uh, one to two hectares of land – and you need to think about trying to move your production up to a higher elevation. Well, you don't own that land, <laughs> and yeah. you don't have the resources to buy new land. Uh, it also is a lot of the um, – I think about coffee to mention, too, is that it's what's called a permanent crop. Um, so that it's grown on bushes uh, that it, it oftentimes will take up to five years to begin producing. So uh. if you think about um, having to move your crop someplace else, Plant new bushes, coffee bushes, and wait five years to get any production. That's a huge risk, you know. Yeah. And it's also, you know, you don't. These smallholder producers, in particular, don't have the financial resources to be able to weather uh, those types of shocks, or to be able to invest and wait and t- to get their production started after five, three, five years. So. Um, and, I would, and I would, and I would significant challenges.
2: And I would think that the margins are already probably pretty tight for many of these coffee growers.
0: They are. And one of the other issues that they're facing, too, absolutely, yes, they, they make very little off of um, the, climate, the coffee that they're already producing. And uh, one of the issues is that a lot of the new um, what are called climate resistant or climate change resistant varietals um, are of a lower quality of coffee. So they're already not getting very much for their high-quality coffees. So if what they can produce now is lower quality, they're going to get even less um, as a result. So yeah, it's really they're in a really really tough spot.
2: Michael, how, hey, there's probably a, a few things that you could put in here, but but how do you think that that this needs to be addressed moving forward?
1: Well, I think we touched on a number of uh, opportunities, and that's for these major can our major. Uh, coffee companies like Starbucks and others and they're starting to do that invest locally to ensure that that source is uh, maintained um we touched on breeding or developing new varieties that are drought resistant or pet resistant pest resistant that's kind of a standard reaction to these things and then i guess at the local level just helping inform or work with the farmers directly and providing them all the latest uh, information and suggestions and ideas um, um and how they can move forward at that small scale. So I think it's the whole value chain has has to be involved from the producer to the consumer to take it all away to uh, maintain that crop and maintain our our access to the delightful coffee that so many of us enjoy.
2: Elizabeth, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, actually, I think um, Dr. Hoffman already covered most of it, but really what I would say is is that those um, absolutely, what's needed is to work directly with the producers themselves and as we already said, there's lots of obstacles to just changing the way that we produce coffee. We need to have the smaller producers stay on the land, keep producing coffee, have that be sustainable both economically and environmentally. So what we need to do is work with those producers to figure out with them um, how what adaptation strategies are going to work according to the context that they're in, according to the kind of challenges that they're facing. Um, and there's lots of different tools for doing that. So. Uh, not just present them with this is the solution, but talk with them, work it through, think about what their needs are, what their context is, and find the adaptation strategies that um, can be really adapted to their particular situation. And we need to have consumers be aware of this, be willing to pay a little bit more for coffee, um, and have definitely have the industry uh, involved, as Dr. Hoffman said, across the supply chain in supporting these adaptations.
2: Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Elizabeth. Michael, thank you as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Elizabeth Shapiro Garza, Associate Professor of the Practice of Environmental Policy and Management at Duke University's Nicholas School of the Environment. Also joining us, Michael Hoffman, Executive Director of the Cornell Institute for Climate Smart Solutions, as well as being a professor in Cornell's Department of Entomology. He has, as we mentioned, an upcoming book, Our Changing Menu, What Climate Change Means to the Foods We Need and Love.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge dot wharton dot upenn dot edu.